Barbara. Welcome to today's edition of Seeds of Wonder podcast. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Carol. Thanks for having me. And thank you for bearing with me while I navigated the uh, slight changes to the app. Um, technology always keeping me on my toes. So just technology, a quick intro. It's, sorry. No, technology, I was going to say technology keeping the whole world on their toes, Carol. You're, I'm not alone. <laughs> I know. These are strange times. Just put this in context for anybody listening to this in, for example, 2021. We're right in the middle of lockdown for COVID at the moment. Um, so I think all of us are, are navigating a whole new world out there and how to connect in completely different ways. So I do a quick introduction. Um, for those of you who have listened to podcasts from Seas of Wonder before, I am, um, you'll remember I'm Carol and I'm the founder of Seas of Wonder, which is all about supporting you to live your yoga on and off the mat. I'm so excited to invite Barbara um, from Yogini Threads, who's agreed to share her journey um, into the beautiful world of yoga with us as both a student and a teacher. And I have known Barbara for quite a number of years. Uh, we first met when I, we were both wearing different hats, working at the University of Technology in Sydney. Barbara, had, uh, I discovered, already been practicing yoga for many, many years uh, by that point, while I was still in the baby steps of my own yoga journey. In the last 10 years, it's been really exciting watching as Barbara uh, has actually taken her own passion uh, to the next level and undertook teacher training and has since then delved into lots of different other specialities within that, such as yin yoga, chakra yoga, and sound healing. Barbara's now a really well-respected yoga teacher in our local community, and she teaches at yoga studios and businesses all across Sydney. However, Barbara has more than one string to her bow, as many of us do, and she's a really well-respected artist as well. And we'll be touching on how she blends that with her yoga teaching and the yoga lifestyle. So, Barbara, thanks again for coming along and making time to speak to us with us. I know you are crazy busy in Zoom yoga sessions and YouTube um, tutorials and classes, etc. So I'm really um, grateful that you make time to come and join us today. Very happy to, Carol. So how, how did you and when did you get into yoga? Because you've been doing it for much longer than I've been conscious of it being, you know, it's become more fashionable really in the last decade, but you've been doing it for a long time. Yes, I've been doing yoga since way before it was fashionable. <laughs> <laughs> so I think my first yoga class, I was trying to think the year, it's that long that you can't even think back that far. <laughs> But it was in the late 80s. It was in the late 80s. I was probably about 19 or so. And um, I'd never been really in contact with any yoga, but I had a boyfriend at the time who was a Buddhist and who was quite a dedicated yogi. And he had his own practice. So he'd get up every morning and do his practice, his meditation. And that was just what he did. I was an artist at the time, or still am, but that was my passion and that was his passion. And then I think one day he took me to a class and uh, it was not a great experience. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think it was an Iyengar class because when I think back now, he had a lot of books on um, Iyengar. And the first yoga class I ever went to, 
was held by this older woman, well, older, probably younger than what I am now, but at 19, you know, <laughs> anyone past 30 feels old. And um, this woman was very uh, authoritarian and she expected me to do a handstand. <laughs> oh, wow. And, you're- <laughs> and I remember her shaming me. And saying, I can remember her going, come on, you young thing, you should be able to do a handstand. That was the kind of experience I had, like the worst possible yoga experience that uh, I can imagine, um, just being shamed, literally. Um, what made you come back? What made you? Yeah, I know. It's strange that I ever went back, isn't it? I mean, I suppose I didn't. I suppose I had other things in my life. I mean, yoga wasn't my my thing, so I didn't care that much. But it, it did make, I don't know how why I went back, but I went back to not, I didn't go back to Iyengar. I went back to probably Hatha class. So back in the 90s or 80s, um, Hatha was kind of like what most people taught and it was just a gentle type of yoga. That's how people translated Hatha in the Western world, even though that's not what hatha means uh, traditionally. So the more gentle classes were fine. Like I was very happy with, I'm very flexible anyway. So flexibility wasn't really a problem. The only issue that I really had with yoga was was the mind stuff. Um, You know, shavasana was absolutely impossible for me when I was young and I could not imagine how anyone could sit still and not think and I didn't even think that that was desirable to be honest so I think like most people I was an overthinker and I was very attached to my thinking mind and to multitasking and to having a million thoughts all at once and to organizing and planning and strategizing and all that stuff that goes on in the mind and I didn't really understand why that why anyone would want to calm down their mind as such. And that didn't, come, that didn't come to me until many, many years later. So I was practising asana because it felt good and I know that every time I went to yoga I would walk out feeling excellent, but I didn't think about it much beyond that. And it wasn't until I really discovered or meditation came to me that that everything really shifted with my yoga practice and then it became kind of like the centre of my world because it's so because it was such a game changer when I began to calm down the mind and understand the benefits of that. So that didn't come to me until, look, it was maybe 12 years ago or something like that, so I'd already been practising yoga a long time before meditation finally settled. <laughs> So uh, when meditation came to you, how, how, what sort of tempted you to, to delve in a little bit more, given that, you know, Shavasana uh, was, so, was a little confronting at the end of the class? What actually made you explore a little bit further? Well, I wasn't exploring. I'd completely given up on having any kind of meditation practice. It wasn't even uh, a desire of mine. It but one day I was in a class. It was actually another Iyengar class <laughs> and uh, here in the inner west. And this woman teaching was very, I remember she was very focused on the feet and the alignment. And, you know, Iyengar yoga, they're very 
everything has to be such and you know it's kind of like the army of yoga everything has to be a certain way and you know on this particular angle and it was really like full-on intense kind of detailed class a bit exhausting and I think at the end of that class I went into shavasana and it just it just came to me I wasn't trying to meditate but suddenly, and there was a lot of pressure at that particular time in my life, there was a lot of, I was having a lot of problems in my personal life and I was under a lot of stress. And I think it just came to me when I needed it. Like all of a sudden, everything just fell away. And I had this little moment, this little, probably an instant of this idea of samadhi, of just completely letting go and having the weight of the world just fall away. And that little moment just absolutely hooked me into meditation. And from that day on, I've meditated every single day of my life. Like it completely, it was like something just switched. But I wasn't trying to meditate. That's why it was so interesting. It's often the way, isn't it? I remember when I first started out, I had this vision of having to have an empty mind and I spent so much time feeling disappointed in myself and fighting my mind <laughs> that it just didn't work for me for a while until I just went, you know what, I'm just going to learn how to sit and be quiet. And from that was kind of my turning point. And I took the pressure off myself uh, for reaching samadhi on my very first attempt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, how else has your practice changed over the years? So that was the main, like, huge shift. Um, and then after that, meditation became the centre of my practice as opposed to asana. I mean, I was still doing asana, but uh, probably I was meditating every day and that was where everything, that became the centre of my practice and still is in many ways. Um, and then I became very serious about my yoga. Like, then I became really to investigate and to teach and, so when I first began teaching, I was actually teaching meditation first because that was my real passion because I felt as if meditation was the real game changer as opposed to asana. But now I can see that they're linked. Of course, the whole, the whole of the yoga practices are linked. They're not separate from one another. But I suppose because meditation was the most powerful, because it came suddenly, as opposed to gradually over the years, like an asana practice comes gradually. You don't really notice it so much. But for me, meditation wasn't gradual. For me, it was just like, whoa, it was just one of those things. So I was really passionate about sharing it. So I was teaching meditation probably four or five years before I started teaching asana. What made you decide to do yoga teacher training? What was the tipping point for you um I don't know I probably always wanted to do it but then I'd, I'd always make excuses for myself like oh what if people get injured I can remember having this big thing about the responsibility of other people being injured and I don't know whether that was just an excuse it's a strange thing because I've never been injured in yoga and it's not something that I saw around me so I think that was probably one of those things that I, an excuse for not doing what I really wanted to do. <laughs> like, oh, no, that's far too much responsibility. What if someone gets injured? I remember thinking that at the time and thinking, well, you know, in meditation, no one gets injured. It's, it's fine. And then it's got all these, you know, I mean, I was happy just to teach meditation in the beginning. And then I just wanted to do the whole thing. 
and once and, I started uh, once I started that Barbara once I started teaching I just knew that that was that was it for me how long ago was that? I'm trying to remember um, I, I remember the Facebook post when you started sharing your journey there I can't is that uh, five I, or four years now <laughs> time goes too far yeah my teacher training was then and but I did my meditation training before then mm. yeah and to start with, I know you were a part, you did it part time because I remember you um, transitioning, it was still working at University of Technology at the time. Do you find there's a difference between teaching part time and full time? Yeah, well, part time's part time, you've got the financial security, so you don't have to worry about finances. And obviously, being a yoga teacher's um, very low money. So I think it's a good idea to start off. Teaching part-time and working part-time, I think that's a good compromise for most people. But for me, um, because I was so passionate about my teaching, I just, you know, just working in an office just became, even if I wasn't working in that I just wanted to teach and I knew that that's what I was supposed to do. But it's not a sensible decision. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say to people to do that. Most people, I recommend, just work part-time and teach part-time and then you've got the best of both worlds, you don't have to worry, you know, and I think that's, for most people, I think that's a, that's a good balance. I'm, I'm just a little bit more, because I'm so passionate and I'm a bit extreme in, in my personality, when I want to do something, I just want to do it 120%. That's just my what I'm like. So. And you're still um, an artist, so you're still producing beautiful artwork and and that as well yeah so for a long time that's the thing as well like when I was when I was in my 20s in my 30s I was a full-time artist so I had no money then either so I'm kind of used to not having any money and I'm used to doing so and I'm used I'm used to doing things that I'm passionate about like it's not weird for me so much um yeah because I've always been driven what by... What some of your other jobs? What, what are some of the other jobs you've done um, before yoga teacher and maybe the UTS time? <laughs> yeah, I was a UTS for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. Before that, I worked in HR and I worked in publishing. I was a graphic... I've had so many jobs, like I can't even remember. Probably, I've had, probably had like... 20 jobs or something because my work was always supporting my art it was never a career I was never I've never had like a career um my art was my career and now my yoga is my career but I never had you know jobs have always been jobs um to support the things that I really wanted to do so moving back to yoga because it's obviously your your one of your core focuses now one of the things I'm always really intrigued about because I'm a student so I've, I've never, I'm not a yoga teacher myself it's the relationship between teacher and student what do you think you know how do you see that relationship oh it's a really special relationship and I think I mean I'm a perpetual uh, student myself I love learning and I think teaching is learning like you learn so much from your students. You learn a lot mm. about yourself. You learn a lot about people. You learn a lot about communication. I mean, you just learn so much. The yoga happens in that relationship because, of course, yoga is not an isolated thing. 
I mean, it can be when you're meditating, you can think of it as being just about yourself, but really it's, it manifests in your relationships. It manifests in the world. You know, Mm. when you're off your mat, that's when you notice the yoga. And I think in the teaching, you learn so much from teaching. Firstly, you're really putting yourself out there. It takes a lot of courage (laughs) and Mm. um, that gives you, a different perspective on who you are as a person. So you mentioned there about taking yoga off, off the mat. How does yoga, when you're taking off your teaching hat, how do you find yoga infiltrating the rest of your life? I think the main thing is the, is the mind stuff, as I was saying, um, how mm. the mind can really sabotage our um our behavior and when i think back of how i used to be <laughs> before meditation <laughs> and how reactive i used to be and how my ego was just completely in control of all my behavior like when i look back at how feisty i'm quite a feisty you know i've got a lot of pitta so on the outside mm. i'm very and i'm very calm and nurturing and and grounded that's my outer shell but inward my mind is very fiery very pitta and very you know I yeah I can be very sort of fast and and fiery and so that mm, I'm passionate and, about what you're yes, doing yes very passionate and that used to because I didn't have the the stillness of mind to sort of pause before I reacted or pause before I spoke I got myself in a lot of trouble um, by overreacting all of the time um, when something, you know, when my ego was put out of, out of shape. And I think that's, that's fairly common. Um, but it's only when I look mm. back now that I think, oh, well, I could have saved myself a lot of trouble. <laughs> 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 if I'd, you know, if I'd been meditating, you know, if only I mean, it's, it's easy to look back and think I should have done this, I should have done that. And the thing is, it came to me when it came to me. I couldn't, as I said, it's, you can't force it. Um, you just mm. need to practice. All you can do is practice. So I know you and I have talked about this in the past. Is you, you talk about practice and, and I know you, you've established a, a home practice. Did you find when you started practicing at home, outside of the classes, a difference? Oh, yeah. Once you start your home practice, your whole, I mean, your whole practice completely shifts to another level. So I had a, I had a home practice for many years before I did yoga teacher training. And I think, mm. I really think that should be a prerequisite because that's when you really learn to notice what's going on for you and to work with that rather than finding this generic kind of path, which is fine. I mean, it's fine, but it's just elevating. It elevates you to a completely different level of awareness in terms of what's going on with your body. So you start working with what you've got. Have you got any tips? Because I I know from my interactions online and that and talking to many of my customers is that given the situation at the moment with COVID that people are are starting to practice at home. You got any tips to, to, because I know when I first started, it was big hit and miss time. Um, Any tips about establishing a home practice? 
I think it's really important to have a, a, a space that is yours and yours alone <laughs> um, <laughs> where you have, you know, you have your mat, you have your cushions or whatever it is you like or your favourite candle and if you like statues or whatever it is that you like, even no matter how small it is. I mean, my, my yoga space is, at home is tiny, uh, but it just sits there. It's not something that I put away and then, you know, like it's there. I can't miss it. Mm. <laughs> um, there's no way that, can, that I can miss my practice and pretend that I forgot because it's right there. <laughs> so I think having a space and having a space that you like with a little altar or whatever it is that you like is important. I think um, not giving yourself um, huge goals that aren't attainable so I always say to my students to just start really small but to do it regularly so even if you're just on your mat Mm. for five minutes if you do it every day and at the same time is good because it creates habits it creates rituals and so that's that's what I'd say like don't get too hung up on having to be on your mat for an hour and a half or whatever it is you know just be on your mat and I know that because um, you've been doing a lot of YouTube uh, videos at the moment, uh, there's a, I can personally recommend there's a great 10-minute session um, that's designed for the morning. And, and that's exactly me. Is like if I think I have to get on my mat every day for an hour, it just, it's never going feel like meditation. It's not going to happen. Um, but if when I broke it down and thinking I'll just get on and, you know, for five minutes or whatever, um, it, that changed my home practice for me. So I recommend um, anyone who's keen to get on onto them after listening to this is head over to Yugini Threads YouTube, um, Barbara's YouTube channel. Um, and there's a range of um, sessions there, um, completely free as well. Thank you, Barbara. You're very generous um, and different styles so that you can get a, a sense of what might work for you at home. But uh, that 10 minute session, Barbara, thank you very much. That's been particularly valuable for me. Great. Happy to hear it. So that, that that's interesting because, as I said, you know, I've had customers um, talking to me and people are, are on my Instagram followers and that it's about this is really motivating them to uh, get their home practice. What do you think ro- the role or, you know, how yoga can help at this time with this, this lockdown to try and curb COVID-19? How do you think, you know, yoga plays into helping us through that time? Oh, I just can't even imagine going through this time without yoga. Like I just can't imagine how mm. or some kind of meditative, some kind of, of internal practice. Um, I mean, maybe for some people they get that with martial arts or qigong or, you know, there's other things that are similar. I'm not saying that yoga is the be-all and end-all, but I think a physical practice that has a mindfulness component to it is really vital because the body mind connection is so so vital to our to our health to our mental health and physical health um yeah i can't imagine going through this time without some kind of mindful practice i also found i mean it took a little while and then i kind of went into an overwhelming you know state i was kind of quite calm and it will be what it will be to start with. And I think, you know, the amount of social media and TV coverage and everything, it kind of one day <laughs> became quite overwhelming. And I found that yoga and the meditation 
that whole thing about switching off or, or reducing the stress response, that flight and fight response that we have. Yoga for me is a really good way of sort of grounding back down into myself, remembering to breathe properly, like getting a decent breath and, and just kind of almost separating from the world and, and centering down and just getting my perspective back. I found it really really useful for that I mean I do anyway because I'm a bit like you I think I must have a lot of pillar in me that my mind's always going a million miles per hour and very passionate about everything I do um, so yoga's always had that response but I particularly noticed it um, in the last few weeks has been very powerful right mm. where do you think yoga is heading afterwards I mean we'll have all these people who hopefully have um, become comfortable with their home practice and it's become part of a habit or a, a routine but where do you see um covid heading a uh, yoga heading um once we hopefully get out the other end of this this covid19 situation yeah look it's an interesting question i think um i think it's i think it's going to change definitely i mean the industry will definitely change i think it's interesting. I mean, some students have said to me that they really resisted the online yoga and now they're loving it <laughs> and other people. <laughs> so I, I think there'll be, I think some, there'll be a, a percentage of yoga students who might stick to online because it actually suits them better for various reasons. Um, I can't imagine that many yoga studios are going to survive some especially the smaller ones so there'll be a big cull there and i mean there was an oversupply anyway the industry's been in trouble for a while anyway so i think yeah it'll be interesting to see who's left standing and how it manifests i mean and there's probably things that we haven't even thought of in terms of technology i think Technology has proven to be, even however amazing it is, it's also proven to be quite limiting in, in some ways. Like I was saying to a friend, you know, why isn't it like in the movies, those full-on sci-fi movies where they have the surround sound and the surround pictures should be like that. <laughs> but, you know, if it's been in the movies, means that we'll get it eventually. And I think, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the teaching is delivered and how the practice is done. But at the end of the day, you can't get away with, you know, you get to get on your mat somehow and you've got to practice. Yoga mm. is a practice. Uh, you know, you need to do it. There's no way around that. <laughs> <laughs> So what's next for you personally in your yoga journey? Oh, look, I'm just, I've, I've never worked so hard as I am at the moment just because putting everything online and I'm developing a course online and I'm doing all this stuff that I'm not used to doing. So, of course, it's a huge learning curve and everything's taking a long time and there's a lot of marketing around that and a lot of social media. So I feel like i am become one of those people with a full-time job that's like more than a full-time job, you know. So I've gone from sort of working part-time mm. back into full-time. <laughs> I mean, I'm not complaining because I've got things that I'm doing that I'm passionate about, but I am feeling uh, overworked and um, mm. I really feel like I need a break. Um, but that will come. That will come. It's just that I'm I'm going through like like a lot of yoga teachers. I mean, all my peers are in the same boat. We're all the good thing is we're all in this together and we're all supporting each other. 
And I think that's that makes it much more doable. I've just been amazed watching you all. As I said, I'm not a yoga teacher, um, but I'm, I'm part of the community with, with you know, obviously with what Season Wonder is about and just the, the speed that so many of you have pivoted. And I mean, watching you personally as a friend, as well as a, a, a yoga professional, like seeing you, you if I had your YouTubes up, you're doing, I know you're doing um, online classes with uh, the studios you teach in and, and things like that. And you've achieved, it seems like you have achieved that in like two weeks. I know. <laughs> and I, Crazy. And you're, you're, you're uh, your Instagram lives and, and, and things like that you know it's just uh, it's it's very impressive watching what you you've achieved from the sidelines in I'm tired watching you Barbara <laughs> well the whole community it's not just me the whole community the whole yoga community is just like whoa <laughs> we're all you know as I said we're all <laughs> in this together and we're all kind of like um supporting each other along because yeah wow things change quick Whew. And I think that's the beauty of, um, you know, Sangha, the community in, in, in the yoga world. So, you know, I, I can see the conversations happening and there's just such this beautiful sharing of information, whether it's overcoming those technical gremlins and getting Zen to Zoom to uh, connect into different mics and that. But there's just been this beautiful sharing. It's not been competitive visible. I'm not sharing because that means I can get up and going. Um, it, it is really lovely to watch how people are coming together and helping each other practicing yoga off the mat again yeah absolutely cooperation collaboration all those all those things are coming into the fore I think in every business I think the days of competition are fading fast Mm. again it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the post-covid world I'm looking forward to that <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping more community, more collaboration, and, and the value of that person-to-person relationship, which I think has faded to some level with social media, which is amazing. Uh, but I think sometimes we've lost more com- uh, that connection individually and personally. Um, and I think, given that it's been taken away from us, um, I, I think that might become more valuable uh, in the new world. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, every. Every person I run into now, it's like I'm so happy to see people. <laughs> this this morning I walked into this building and there was this trades guy that walked out of the building and just said hello and blah, blah. And I was just like, it just felt so good to just speak to someone. <laughs> I was like, oh, every, everyone, everyone, I, sp- I just want to speak to everyone. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm such, I didn't realise what a hugger or touch, you know, I, I, when I walk, I, I touch with my hands and that a lot, I think. And I had no idea that that was part of, part of my personality, you know. And um, so I'm just giving all, all you guys a big hug and, and things like that. So that, that human connection again, <laughs> is, uh, my dogs are, are making up for it, but I think they're going to get over it soon. Oh, no, she's coming over again. <laughs> they get so spoiled. <laughs> So thank you so much for um, coming along today, if you like, and being part of um, the Caesar Wonder podcast. Um, it's, I really do appreciate it, as, as I know, as we've just talked about how busy you are. So thank you so much for creating that space to do this with oh, me. It was fun. Thanks for uh, your insightful questions. And, yeah, nice to, nice to hear your voice and nice – Yes, and I've learned something about you, even though I've known you for quite a long time. Yeah, no, it's good to see you doing podcasts. I love podcasts. I'm a bit of a podcast junkie. I've got so many on my phone. I can never, I can never keep up with them all. So 
Yeah, I love podcasts. It's, it's my favourite medium. It's one of the things like, you know, because the world's changed and things I had planned to do um, aren't happening anymore. So, um, yeah, so from that, you know, there's always the silver linings. Uh, and so podcast is one of the things I'm able to get back back doing again. Um, and so that that's a very good, good point to be adding. I will be doing more of these. Um, if you've enjoyed this session, do keep an eye out for future podcasts. We'll be having more guests coming along to talk with us and sharing their journey about yoga on and off the mat. Um, the podcasts are available um, using Anchor, but also via Spotify, Apple and Google podcasts. Uh, and we also have a range of um, blogs if you're interested, um, if you like having a good read, and you can um, access them on our website at seasofwonder.com. Um, thank you for making time. Um, as a listener, I really appreciate having you along to um, to listen in to us. Uh, we know like your lives are busy too, so we are take, uh, grateful um, for for bringing us into your into your ears, if you like. Um, that does wrap us up for today. Um, just a, a quick reminder that if you um, are now raring to get onto your mat after listening to Barbara and I talk about home practice and that, um, there is uh, those great um, uh, videos on YouTube uh, on Barbara's YouTube channel, which is Yogini Threads. Um, and also you can access them um, via her website. There's quite a few on her website, which is yoginithreads.com. So thank you for listening today. We will be back with more, but in the meantime, keep safe and keep well wherever you are. Thank you for listening in. Bye.